You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email me, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay. Back to talk a little Packers this morning. Tim, how are you doing this morning, man? You got the diesel flowing? Yeah, oh, you know it, man. I, I'm the second cup already, man. Had that ninja fired up already, didn't you, bro? You know it, man. You know <laughs> it. I forgot to program it last night, so like a moron, I had to get up and actually make coffee in the morning like most people do i guess <laughs> for those of you who don't know tim's got a contraption where he just sets that thing ahead of time and he uh it's kind of like the maxwell house commercials back in the in the <laughs> 80s and 90s right you wake up the best part of waking up is not was folgers there you go folgers, yeah, was folgers. Yeah, yep. folgers sponsor the show i don't drink your coffee unless you sponsor the show then i'll drink your coffee but outside of that um mine is right now i'm on the cafe bustello i think i'm saying that right it's like this real fine powder, like espresso, essentially. So that's why you see me over here uh, tweaking, tweaking like a tweaker does, right? Got but, that good stuff over there. That's right. We got everybody in the chat here. We got Nick McSwain in the house. What's up, buddy? Zane Strong, Peter Stone. Uh, let's see, David Mitchell up in here. Boz, what's up, man? The legend that is Boz. I like it. And Zane Strong said, hey, look, guys, hit that like button. It's free, man. It doesn't cost a dime. <laughs> it is free 99 all right. Nick McSwain in the chat says, do y'all think Aaron Jones will be in the Packers Hall of Fame? Yes, 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 yes. And yes, Tim, if you disagree, we can no longer be friends. So <laughs> what do you think about Aaron Jones, man? Probably, course, the, right? probably the easiest. Yes, ever. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, of course, Jones, he'll be in for sure. Yeah, I, yeah there's, I, I sort of say, yeah, I think he will. I, we know he will. And he's just done everything right, too, man. Um, you know, he just. Stand-up dude, a lot for the community, overachiever, uh, perfect teammate, uh, good in the run and the passing game. We've seen him just absolutely dominate Micah Parsons' pass blocking. Um, for a man his size, yeah, I mean, what else can you ask for in a running back to, to block one of the best edge defenders in the uh, in the game, right? So, uh, yeah, just – Again, he's coming back this year. There's no doubt in my mind. I'd be willing to bet the farm he's going to be back. 
Um, the question is, does he lose a step? Um, if so, what's crazy is if he's healthy and he does lose a little bit of a step, he's still, in my opinion, a, a top 10, maybe even top or a top 15, maybe even top 10 back if he does lose a step. I mean, he's that he's that dynamic. If I remember correctly, he led the league in rushing the last three weeks of the season. I think that's what it was. So uh, love it, man. Love the fact that uh, Matt Jones is uh, is here and a, and a running back on this team been for so long. M. Smitty, 1386, says Jones is one of the best to represent the G. He really does, man. For someone who reps the G, like that's – and it's crazy too because like Rodgers talked about it, right? Um, you heard Aaron Jones talk about how Aaron pulled into the side one day on the practice field and said, I just want you to know you're one of my favorite players in this organization and just building him up. And then you've seen Aaron Jones get behind Jordan Love and build him up, and it's just kind of carrying that on into the next – uh, you know, the next wave of, of Packers. So I think we're in good hands there. I'd like to see Jonesy. I could see him, Tim. I could see him being one of those guys that after he retires, and, and hopefully this is five years down the road, right? Um, I I'd love. I think you see him being one of those guys that kind of hangs around the community. You always see him around Lambeau. You always see him doing things for the organization. I'd love to see him get involved in maybe the board or something somehow, somewhere. kind of like Leroy Butler has, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can never have too many of those guys that's seen it on both sides, right? They've been a player, and, and him being a later round pick, overachieved, got the contract, got the second contract, um, you know, and just someone who, like I said, he, you could tell that he's lockstep with the organization. He never complains about his role in the offense, even when he wasn't getting the carries that we knew he deserved under Mike McCarthy. Never complained about it, just came to work every day and, and did it the right way for sure, man. Uh, people are hearing me that are tuning in right now. They're probably going, what, what happened? Jones retired? No. no. <laughs> so let's see here. Uh, Zane Strong says, since JJ will be out uh, for a while, do you guys see Cox Jr. making a big leap next season? I hope so. The The problem there with that one, Tim, and I've kind of thought about it. If I remember correctly, and, and you guys correct me in the chat if I'm, if I'm remembering this wrong, when he – I think he came out of Florida was the last place he played. And it kind of felt like he was more of a hybrid linebacker, and they tried to just kind of mold him into that outside linebacker in the in the thirty four. I could see with his play style him being more of a inside backer that blitzed occasionally, right? Kind of like how we see Quay coming into the league. Yeah. But now that we're switching to a four three, if indeed we do, I don't know if they're going to stick with him with as a as a pure you know hand in the dirt defensive end or if they might try to move him over to linebacker. And I'm not trying to be negative. I think he's got just an absolute bag full of talent. Um, but sometimes those guys, when you make the switch, there's casualties along the way, right? And it's like, okay, he doesn't quite fit here. He doesn't quite fit there. That really fits the mode of a 34 outside linebacker where you can blitz and drop into coverage from time to time, mostly blitz. And uh, the fact that he didn't make the roster too, right, Tam? How do you feel about Brenton Cox Jr.? Man, you think you think he could po uh, possibly make a leap here, and do you think they'll they'll trust him to fill in for Enigbari? Uh, I think so. I really do. I, I'm, you know, that's Jacob's guy, so I'm not. I'm going to be oh, uh, stay really, off limits, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, um, but no, we we talked about that though. Jacob was spot on. I I do see um, the potential for him to take that step, and um, you know, I'm not going to. I don't like to do predictions, but. I do see him being one of those guys um, that can have a different role. I mean, we got a new defense, new approach, um, and yeah, there's a uh, certainly going to be um, a missing piece there with uh, Kingsley and Ibarre not not being in the fold. So, you know, this is your opportunity, right? This is what you 
what you work hard for uh, in this league. So what, we're going to get a good uh, indication of who exactly uh, Brenton Cox Jr. is, um, I think, this season, 2024. So yeah. be on the lookout. Definitely one of those names we'll keep an eye on uh, when it comes to camp, right? Because yep. it, he, if he comes out and he flashes like a Carrington Valentine did last year and really gets on the radar, you may see them just go ahead and throw him on the active roster and, and kind of keep him there rather than bouncing him back and forth off the practice squad, that type of thing. They definitely saw enough in him to put him on the 53, even though he was inactive the large majority of the year. I don't even, I'm trying to think of what weeks he was actually active. Um, you know, it, it kind of is, I, I don't focus on that bottom third of the roster much during the season. It's more about the X's and O's watching the tape. All right. What are we actually trying to accomplish? Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll kind of know coming out of camp if uh, if you hear a lot about him, maybe he's going to make that leap and be that regular active on Sundays. That's that's kind of the first step he's got to make, right? So, yep. um, and uh, me and Ryan had some great conversations. Ryan Slip here from Packernet Podcast yesterday, uh, just uh, DMing back and forth. Yes, uh, yesterday afternoon it was, and uh, talking about scheme. And he was asking me some of the numbers of like, hey, you know, how much single high did we actually run? And when I told him, I think he was a bit surprised. Like, holy cow! Like, uh, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, so we weren't playing shell all year. No, no, sir, we were. <laughs> and also, uh, this whole playing soft, not playing aggressive, we brung five, fifth most in the league too. So we were rushing at least five a large majority of the time. To put that, yeah, kind of cross compare with what we think might be what Halfley's defense looks like coming into the league, Robert Sala brung five like 27th most in the league they always brung four they brung four rushers 80 percent of the time so it's like okay it, it if if he leans into what Salah's doing you're probably going to see a majority of the time just a four-man rush and you're probably going to see more shell than we saw last year because we went so single high you know uh, uh, look, I guess so single high heavy, I should say. So it's, it's just interesting, man. To I love that type of stuff, kind of digging in. Go, okay, what does this team do? What does that team do? And and by the way, if you guys didn't hear, we're already off cuff. That's totally cool. Steve Wilkes was fired in San Francisco. Now, you guys know Steve Wilkes was the defensive coordinator, right? And obviously, San Francisco had one of the best defenses in the league, right? We, we ran the numbers and they were third in scoring in points per play. Third or yeah, third in scoring and points per game, fifth in passing, meaning passing yards uh, allowed per attempt, and then seventeenth in rushing yards allowed per attempt. Right, and here he gets fired, and they say there's a video out there. I haven't seen it yet, Tim. I believe Ryan confirmed he's seen it too by NFL Films, where Kyle Shanahan had to burn a timeout in that Super Bowl because he didn't like the defensive call and. I had heard through someone that he went to Wilkes and said, hey, stop playing zero. Stop playing zero coverage, essentially, right? And then, lo and behold, they fire him. The official statement that was released uh, from uh, Kyle Shanahan said, yeah, we just didn't – and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially said we didn't like what we were doing schematically, like we weren't on the same page philosophy-wise. So what does that mean? Well, you got to start and you got to answer that question. You got to begin answering that question by going, okay, what did they do in the Super Bowl that upset Shanahan so much? Well, they gave up, you know, four explosive plays. We talked about this the other day. They gave up four explosive plays, uh, one running play that was explosive, 22 yarder by Mahomes, and three passing plays. Okay. And those passing plays were a 21 yard pass, 
um, a 25-yard pass and a 22-yard pass. All four of those explosives led to a scoring drive for Kansas City. So what were they running during that time? Okay. They ran in the run. They ran man, single high man, cover one man. And the three passes was cover one man, cover one man, cover two zone invert. So now back, back up. What did Kyle Shanahan say? We didn't, we didn't like our approach scheme wise. Basically what Shanahan's saying is we play too aggressive. So careful what you wish for in being too aggressive. I don't think we're going to be overly aggressive this year. Um, I really don't. I don't think it's going to be something where where Halfley comes in here and we go, "Whoa, look at this man! He's just all out blitzing all the time." You know, um, I think it's going to be a good blend. I think you'll see more man coverage, but nowhere near as much as he played in college, obviously, and nowhere near as much as some fans might be hoping or expecting, right? And I think that's a good thing because, man, the explosives they run rampant when you're in man coverage. There's no doubt about that. So, um, what do you think about that, Tim? As far as Steve Wilkes getting fired there. Um, pretty wild, it you you uh, you go to the Super Bowl, you have the third best scoring defense, and you get you get canned. That's kind of a weird look. Yeah, rough rough time for Forty uh, Nine er fans right now, and of course I love it like a lot of us do. But um, no, you know, being aggressive um, is something that uh, you know when you do it and you're you're successful, people love it and they want more of it. And when you get torched then people get fired. You know, that's kind of kind of how it is. And it's like, you know, I mean, I'm a poker player. So I, I, I you know, poker is all about uh, patience and uh, timed aggression. So, you know, it's kind of like that in the NFL. You dial up an aggressive call in the right situation at the right time, yeah. it'll work like gangbusters and it'll be great. If you make that your overall approach and your overall philosophy and you're just aggressive 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 teams are going to expose you and they're going to they're going to find a way around that and they're going to use that aggressiveness against you you know and uh i think that's kind of what we saw there and um yeah i mean shanahan was like you know hey enough's enough literally had to had to burn a timeout to get a to create a change you know and uh ultimately it was probably too little too late at that point but um right yeah i mean you know and hey that's where we're heading right we're, we're, we're talking about this right now with the, with this Halfley defense, right? More aggressiveness, um, which is a good thing. I think a lot of, a lot of Packer fans have been wanting to see that because you don't want to go the other way. You don't want to be too timid or, you know, playing quote unquote soft all the time. It's about balance and it's about calculating those, those play calls and those moments when it's time to dial it up. You know, sometimes you do, you got to send five, you got to send six sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need more coverage, you know? So I, I think, um, you know, going out with the idea of like, oh, we're going to play man to man and we're going to we're going to be aggressive all the time. That's not, never a good look. You want to you want to have balance, you know, uh, defensively in this league. So, yeah, there's a reason that, like I said, the, the team that played the most man coverage only played it 40 percent of the time. They still played more zone than man. Right. Exactly. If it was so effective everyone would do it. Right. Yeah. And um, we but, talked about that too. We see the Packers, you know, probably, you know, in 2024, we'll have, you know, probably be North of 30% on the, on the man coverage calls, but I don't think it'll be anything, you know, I don't think we're going to just flip from what we were doing with Joe Barry the last three years and just go completely polar opposite. Like if you think you're not going to see zone or zone match at all, you know, you're going to be disappointed. I don't think Halfley's just going to go out there and play man to man all the time. I just don't, don't see it. We'll just see more of it. Right. 
Good morning, Randy. Good to see you in there, buddy. Randy Cleavers, good to see you in the house. Uh, Ron Sample says defensive call was too aggressive, cost the timeout. These are the th- these are the things as fans that we don't really talk about much, right? Like the you know it's, it's something that we kind of we don't we don't cover. We just breeze over them, and it's we just want results. We want we want results. We want results. I'm as guilty as anyone in that regard. Um, that's why you got to really slow down and, and and focus on okay, what actually happened? What happened? Why did it happen? Where should we adjust? If we were the ones running the team, right? And that's we always want to kind of run that through that lens on this show. We want to remove as much of the emotion as we can. Other than the post-game shows after a big win, that's when we get in here and act like a bunch of idiots and, and have fun with it, right? Those are my favorite episodes too, by the way. <laughs> man. Get get just a little bit of Woodford flowing. Get in here and just hang out with your boys in the chat and, and talk about a big win. There's nothing better than that. Um, let's see uh, – what else we got in the chat? Number one Packer fan said, but I don't understand that. This is the team. This is the same D.C. that helped get them there coaching the same way. If Greenlaw was in and Burks was out, we may be having a different conversation. Yeah, Oren Burks got absolutely torched. I think he got targeted, was it like nine times and there was nine catches. So they really, really, really missed Greenlaw. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, it, you know, without being in the room, and that conversation matters too, right, Packer fan? like. It depends on how that conversation went between Kyle and Steve. If on the sideline he's telling Steve Wilkes, hey, listen, we're being too aggressive, we're being too aggressive, and and, and Steve Wilkes just kind of shrugs it off, and then they have to burn a timeout because they're being too aggressive. Then they have a conversation afterwards. If Steve Wilkes isn't like, hey, I screwed up there, and he kind of goes at Kyle, then you know that working relationship ain't going to move forward. Whether you like Kyle, whether you think he's overrated or not, I personally think he's a good coach. Um, I think he's borderline great. You don't get to the Super Bowl, what is it now, two, three times, whatever it is. You don't have that much success in the conference and not be a really good coach, right? Um, now, we'll, we'll kind of get to another chat here in a second. But on that front, um, I think it matters, that working relationship. You know, you can't bring you can't bring someone back if you can't even get along with them and you don't even agree with what the play call is supposed to be. And, and if there's one thing we've learned from the Shanahan tree, and I think this holds true with Matt LaFleur too, is he wants his finger on the pulse of everything. And some might look at that as a bad thing. Some might look at it as a good, I look at it as a good thing. Like that, that's what the head coach is supposed to do. He's supposed to have his hands in everything. Like rather than just be, I'm just going to be a play caller and everybody else take care of themselves. I don't, I don't think great coaches coach like that. Right. So um, just it's it's an interesting dynamic for sure because they made it to the Super Bowl, obviously, right? Uh, Demetrius in the chat, good to see you in here, buddy. He said, "Good morning. What do you guys think about Jackson Powers Johnson and Cooper DeGene as draft prospects?" I got my little cheat sheet put together where we kind of did our mini draft board as far as uh, the positions of need, and I just focused on top heavy. So when it comes to those two players, Jackson Powers Johnson is hands down my best offensive lineman in this draft. Now keep in mind. Tackles carry more value, but I'm simply saying if you were to line them up vertically, forget the position, I think Jackson Powers Johnson is the best O-lineman in this draft, me personally. Um, Cooper DeGene, I've got Cooper DeGene as the third best corner. I've got Quinion Mitchell, one, Kool-Aid McKinstry, two, Cooper DeGene, three. Then Nate Wiggins out of Clemson at four, and Terry and Arnold at five out of Alabama. So I've got Cooper DeGene sitting in that three spot. Um, let's see what else we got here. Nick McSwain says, do offensive alignments dictate the defensive plays? Very much so. And and when you say offensive alignments, that's different from personnel, right? Personnel is, you know, 
how many running backs, how many tight ends are on the field, therefore equals this many wide receivers, which triggers your nickel, triggers your dime in some defenses. In some running situations, people will stay with their base and just play kind of a kind of a drop, a, a country quarters, if you will, just drop, keep everything in front of you, but be prepared to stop the run because it's a short rundown. Um, but as far as alignments, yes, and, I, and I'll give you a couple of examples. When when a when a defensive coordinator is calling a game, right? They're watching, they're matching personnel, and they've watched the tape and they've studied this team. Probably a six game saturation, four previous games, two previous head to head, and they're looking at it and they go, okay, when they go eleven personnel, here are their top three sets. They run a two by two, they run a bunch nasty X, and they run a a wide split trips right. Okay, so we got to be ready to attack those specific alignments a certain way. So when they play bunch nasty X, they may come in and go, okay, let's just play catch man here. Meaning everybody's going to be a man coverage. Typically the guy who's uh, in the middle of the bunch, your corner will just play about five yards off the guys on the outside of the bunch, whether it's a tight end, the Y on the inside and a, and a receiver on the out, or you flex the Y, however you want to do it. Um, what you'll do is they'll go, okay, the corner in the middle will play five yards off. The others will play eight to 10 yards off. And they'll let them do their switch release because typically when you're in that bunch set, right, that that kind of that little half diamond pattern, they'll do a switch release where they'll cross. And the goal there is to confuse the corners. And if you show enough of that on tape, now they can't play bump and run because if all three of those corners get up on the line and they play bump and run, as soon as they go to do their switch release, you're going to run bodies into each other, right? So they play off, play catch man, and they wait for their switch to end and as their switch ends, then the inside corner will pick up the inside release. The middle will pick up the mid release and the outside will pick up the outside release. That's typically how that works in man covers. Now, some will play zone and they'll play. Some will even play what we call cover three lock. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, they'll have one guy playing man coverage. He's locked. That's, that's where the lock comes from. He's locked in man coverage on one specific receiver, and everyone else is playing cover three. The problem there is you're removing one from your pass rush. So alignments matter big time, big time in this game. It's why the Shanahan tree has gone through the nasty splits, lining up with those nasty splits inside you're kind of playing inside out. So you're forcing the defense to kind of close in. To me, it's a negative in the running game, but it's a huge advantage in the passing game, right? That's why early in the season we were going, man, what we need to do is spread things out to open up some space for this running game a bit. We just kept everything condensed. We kept trying to sift when guys couldn't sift. We kept trying to pull when guys couldn't pull. Um, like Mike Wall said, at that point in the season, the run blocking was so bad they couldn't even run zone hardly because everybody was just kind of, yeah. Um, and why is that? Rasheed Walker is not a great run blocker, right? Done great pass blocking, and we know that's the top priority. But it's why I'm still a little bit like, let's let's not just brush off the fact that we don't need a tackle now all of a sudden, right? Because if you can get a tackle that can run block better than anybody on your offensive line, can run block like Zach Tom, but pass block like Rasheed Walker did last year, don't we want that guy being our left tackle of the future? And if you don't get him, fine. You got Rasheed Walker to fall back on. But – we definitely don't want to just kind of brush it off like, okay, we got our left tackle. Let's move on. Because you're one injury away from that line being a disaster, right, Tim? I mean, that's yeah, and it always is, man. David Bakhtiari's and, you know, the Trent Williamses of the world, those guys don't grow on trees, you know. No. So, and, and a lot of them, I mean, come on, you can go back to D-Box rookie year, and there were struggles, you know. And, you know, these guys have all the talent in the world, but, you know, they need time to develop. Even the great, the greatest of the great. Um, you know, it's very rare that you just come into this league and, and you don't have any, anything to work on. You know, I think all the, all the greatest players will tell you that they're constantly working on their game. So what you're looking for here with Rasheed Walker is to, yeah, step up the run blocking. And, you know, that's going to be a point of emphasis with these coaches and, you know, his development. And I think if you see that come along, okay, there might be an argument that, Hey, we've got our left tackle. Um, but in the meantime, man, you've got to, Draft and develop, right? It's not just for uh, quarterbacks here in Green Bay. We do that with everybody. So um, I'm with you there, Clay. I think we, uh, you know, that's definitely something I think we should address in the draft um, yeah. versus free agency. I think we need to uh, keep the youth movement going. And, um, you know, I, I do like Rasheed Walker, though. I really do. I think there is uh, a lot of potential there. But, um, you know, it's just a young player rounding out his game, you know, so. We can't yeah. jump the gun and make a decision on on him right now. We've got to continue to look at that position um, objectively. And at least the the pass pro is there, right? That's like you said, that's the important part. You know, watch Jay Money's back and make sure nobody's touching him. Um, you know, I'd, I'd hate to have a, a left tackle that comes into the league and he's run, run blocking like a dog, but he can't pass pro to save his life. That's, that's the worst problem to have over there at that, that blind spot for your quarterback. So, um, I think Rashid's going to continue to grow, and uh, yeah. hopefully we see some growth here in 24 for sure. I think worst-case scenario, we've kind of seen the floor, right? And, yep. and, hey, look, this is kind of the worst you'll get, and yep. let's hope he does continue to take those steps because I mean, you can't you can't simulate that those live in-game reps like he's gotten, man. Uh, it's, exactly. it's um, and another thing, too, like when you talk about run blocking versus pass blocking, 
you you want to prioritize the pass blocking, obviously. And and whether you agree with that, I agree with that or not, it doesn't matter. That's what Goody. I mean, it's obvious when you look at how they build their roster. They go for pass blockers and pass rushers, and that's at all positions across the defensive line, right? It's why the running game has struggled so much. Is because if you look in into each player's history, their past, you go, yeah. It's pretty obvious he's a pass rusher, right? And he's—they're uh, going to try to bring him along in the run-run defense game. Uh, but when you come to offensive line, just like everything on defense, you—you you can't take everything away, right? You—if you're going to take one thing away, you're going to sacrifice giving something else up, right? And you got to right. kind of pick and choose and be prepared. Same thing on the offensive line, like you can't. Every offensive lineman you draft or, or sign, they're not going to be great at both. So you got to pick, all right, what's the priority? The priority is pass blocking. Um, at times, I disagree with that. and uh, But at the end of the day, if you were to sit back and go, Clayton, you got to make a decision which one's more important to you. I'd have to agree with Goody's pass blocking, man, hands down, you know. So you can understand the direction they go in. And it's not like, like you said, Tim, it's not like they're out there growing on trees. But number one Packer fan says, so when does Kyle Shanahan get fired for his terrible play calling and get into the Super Bowl multiple times without winning, LOL? I don't, I just don't subscribe to that mindset of, uh, man, he just, he can't win the big one. So let's get rid of him and start over. Like the fact that you're getting your team to that point that many times, I, I will never be the person that goes, yep, just can't win the big and get him out of here. I mean, look at the punt, the muff punt. Right there's all you need. Like, if if that punt doesn't get muffed, I feel really confident saying the Niners win the Super Bowl, and we're not even having this conversation. Is that Kyle Shanahan's fault that the punt got muffed? It just kind of goes back to the defensive coordinator talk we had all year long. Like, if players if players aren't smart enough to complete their assignment, or players aren't good enough at tackling at bringing the ball carrier down then I don't really put that on the coaches. It's, yes, it's the coach's job to get them prepared, absolutely. But, man, to uh, to just say, yep, let's scrap it, let's can them, you know, in Kyle Shanahan's case. With the Joe Barry situation, there was enough information that got compiled that you go, all right, yeah, we need to make a move. Um, yeah. It's just, I again, I always found myself watching the tape going, man, if I'm, if I'm Joe Barry, I'm probably going to Matt LaFleur going, what do you want me to do? Tell me exactly what you want me to do. I had four guys whiff on a tackle on one play. <laughs> like, I, I can't I imagine being upset with a with a head coach. You know, like how would that conversation even go? Like, you know, man, you just keep getting us to these Super Bowls, right? You know, right. <laughs> we're sick yeah. of that. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> and as far as his play calling being horrible at times, maybe that's so. But they had, if I remember correctly, they had a top ten offense. Um, so uh, I can actually look that up just to confirm real quick. We got Carly in the house. Carly, how are you doing this morning? What's on your mind? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'd just like to weigh in on this um, this yeah. talk here about Shanahan because I think if we remember Andy Reid, I think had was, you know, Andy Reid, the guy that we're like, whoa, he's, you know, amazing and has three Super Bowls now. Uh, he had a 20-year career, was it, where he didn't have a single ring? And then now look at him. And how long has Shanahan been going, like six or seven? Like, let, yeah. It might not be with this team. I think Reed had to go from the Eagles, you know, to the Chiefs before he started making it happen. But, but he will. Like he's just too good of a coach. He will. He will make it, and he will win a Super Bowl. I I firmly believe that. You know, someone else pointed that out on NFL Network the other night. I can't remember who said it, but they pointed out the same thing. Like Shanahan is where Andy Reed was in Philly. That's basically mm-hmm. where he's at. And 
do you do you guys think that Philly wishes they hadn't moved on from Andy Reid? Silly question, right? Possibly. <laughs> so here you're you're getting in that cycle of just chasing your tail, right? Um, I pulled up the the scoring numbers too, by the way, and points per play. San Francisco was number one in the league, number one. And then when you look at scoring offense as far as points per game, they were number two in points per game. So. What you're basically saying there, if you're saying, hey, look, we need to fire Shanahan because he can't win the big one, you're going, okay, forget the fact that we had the top scoring offense in the league and forget the fact that we had the number three scoring defense in the league, right? Like he understand that he made that hire with Steve Wilkes when Carolina said, ah, we're not interested in him, just let him walk, right? So there's something he sees there. And I guarantee you it was immediately following the game. He's going, if we had played less aggressive, we – we probably beat them by a couple scores, uh, but we got too aggressive with the man coverage and the cover one man. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's really interesting there, though, that the fact that he he did have the top scoring offense in the league. My goodness, man. Um, there you go. So, uh, and and we make no two bones about it, man. I think we should have we should have beat San Francisco. You know, we had every opportunity to. Uh, you don't drop that pick six. Uh, you know, if you're savage, you don't drop that pick six, you win that game. If you don't throw that interception across your body at the end, there's a good chance you go right down the field and score, you know, at least the field goal. Um, there's a lot of ifs and buts, right? If ifs were fifths, we'd all be drunk. Old Darius Butler saying there. Zane Strong in the chat said, is safety or O-line our biggest need in the draft? In my opinion, our biggest need in the draft is safety, as it sits right now going into free agency, okay? I've got safety This in, in this order, safety, corner, O-line, linebacker, D-line, edge, tight end, and halfback. That's how I've got it sitting, okay? So, again, safety, cornerback, and O-line. Safety, cornerback, O-line, and linebacker is the order I've got the needs sitting in. And, again, you could bring back one or two of those safeties you had last year. That could that could help minimize the need at safety. It's still You still kind of need starting caliber. Not only do I break it down like that, also break it down to how many starters you could potentially add on the roster uh, to improve the starting aspect of your of your team. Two starting safeties, two starting cornerbacks, meaning a nickel and a cornerback opposite Jair. I'm not sold on Snopes. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I'm down here in the South. I watch a lot of SEC football. I'd love to see him pan out, right? But there is nothing I've seen so far to go. Yep, he's he's a guy, right? Um, now. Could this be a nice change of pace for him playing slightly more man? You know, if we go from 23% to, say, 30% man, that would play into Eric Stokes's play style a little bit more. The problem I have is I've watched the tape of when he's played, when he's healthy. And you know what his biggest negative for me is when I watch Eric Stokes play when he's healthy? In man coverage, he is horrible at locating the ball. So you see him sticking to the receiver, and then at the last second he goes to turn his head and the ball goes right in beside him and they make the catch. It's like they see that on tape and go, all right, they play man coverage. We're attacking him with back shoulders all day long. As soon as I see his numbers, I'm putting the ball in the air. Receiver, you show laid hands, and let's just let's eat him up. That's what you've seen happen before he got hurt. You know, he graded out in the 50s before he got hurt this last time. The year before he graded out real bad and we just chalked it up too well. The whole defense was grading out bad. Um, so – Really all you got to kind of hang your hat on is that rookie year where you played pretty good. So, yeah, that's my biggest needs, though, Zane, is uh, is safety. Um, I would say safety and then corner and then offensive line is how I would look at it. And I mean, then long snapper. 
Yes, of course. You got to have the launch. <laughs> People hear that they probably think we're being serious. Then. We're oh, no, no. I'm, I'm totally joking. <laughs> give, give them a disclaimer. <laughs> let's see here. All right, let's do this. Um, My man Greg Rice in here fired up. He's on the diesel. Look at this. Good morning, Lambo. Good to see you in here, buddy. Um, all right, let's do this. Uh, I've got a really cool, since we kind of shifted into draft talk there, I got a cool video. And uh, if this gets hit with a copyright, the stream may go down, but it'll come right back up because we are allowed to use it. It just may, the AI may trigger it. So just keep that in mind. If it does go down, just refresh, come right back in. As soon as the video's over, it'll be back up. Uh, it may not drop at all, but this is really cool. This is from a, an NFL timeline documentary. Um, give them a shout out. NFL Films did this. Just They do phenomenal work. This takes us back to the 1994 draft. And this time of year, things start to heat up. Because you've got people that are executives, former ex current executives, former executives, they're compiling all their information. And then you've got everyone else who's putting out their draft guides, putting out all their draft media stuff, right? Your Mel Coppers, your uh, Todd McShays, your on and on and on, right? And is, there's, no, there's no secret that these front office guys and these sports media members who think they've got the draft just absolutely figured out, they've always butted heads. They'll look at this and just laugh at each other, right? This was called a, a day that would live in infamy, I think is what it was uh, is what it was termed as. In 1994, you had a little spat between Mel Copper Jr., who you guys know is a self-proclaimed uh, draft expert. For those of you who don't know, full disclaimer, I'm not a big Mel Copper fan. I mean, he's good at what he does. ESPN obviously trusts him. He's covered a draft way longer than I've even been alive, right? But He's never been in a front office. He's never had to make a pick. He's never had to actually evaluate a player with his job on the line, right? That's why it's hard for me to go, man, this guy's the best. And then you got Bill Tobin at the time was the general manager for the Colts, uh, an Irishman that uh, was uh, a hothead, if, if you will. Now, listen, was Bill Tobin a good GM? I think he was good enough to be one of the top 32. That says a lot, or top 30, however many teams were in the league at the time in 94. Um, that says way more than Mel Copper's resume, in my opinion, okay? My humble but accurate opinion there. But this was just – this is when the draft really took on this whole, wow, this is a reality show, and we're watching it in real time. And it's why the viewership, the numbers continue to go up. But uh, check this out. This is amazing, huh? I get a big kick out of every year. I have that ugly green suit on and a big flock of seagulls hairdo. So that's uh, that's why I like it being reruns. People actually believe I had hair at one point. So you are surprised? Oh, very surprised. Yeah, I, we thought for sure it would be either Indianapolis, Washington, or L.A. Uh, the next logical choice was the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts traded up with the Rams, moving from number seven to number five. Everyone thought they were moving up to take Dilfer. What followed became the signature moment of the 1994 draft. The Rams have made a trade with uh, Indianapolis, and Indianapolis has selected uh, Trev Alberts, linebacker from Nebraska. Wow. And that's something. Well, I mean, Albert's a great player. Yeah. Typical There's no question about that, but you got a problem with this move? I think it's a typical Colt move. I mean, here's a team that needed a franchise quarterback to pass up a Trent Dilfer when all you have is Jim Harbaugh. Give me a break. That's why the Colts are picking second every year in the draft, not battling for the Super Bowl like other clubs in the National Football League. It was, whoa, Mel, where are you going, Baze? You know, mild-mannered Mel, all of a sudden, boom, here he comes. That's why the Colts are picking second every year in the draft. <laughs> you know, Mel has never shy in his opinion, and he wasn't shy in his opinion in this case. 
Well, you think about Jim Harbaugh was a solid quarterback, not a great one. And you felt like, okay, can these quarterbacks improve your position? And I thought Trent Dilfer could. And obviously, general managers don't like to be called out like that by analysts. So shortly afterward, we kick it down to Indianapolis where Chris Mortensen is. All right. So I just want to say this real quick. You see Mortensen laughing there and giggling at the comment, right? Watch how awkward this becomes. And this is why we always say on this podcast, if I wouldn't say it to a player's face, a coach's face, or a front office official's face, I'm not going to say it on this podcast. Because you've seen, he was just laughing at Bill Tobin and the fact that Mel Kiper roasted him, right? Now he's got to face him face-to-face here and give an interview. Watch this. With Bill Tobin. Uh, I knew you'd have one surprise for us today. (laughs) Not a surprise to us. No, that's great. I mean, no, that's what I mean. I'm not, I'm not, hey. Did you see that energy change? <laughs> One question, Bill. A lot of criticism about not taking a quarterback here. Your response? Well, you know, we got a guy up there. Who in the hell is Mel Kuyper, in a way? <laughs> I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. In my knowledge of him, he's never, ever put on a jock strap. He's never been a coach. He's never been a scout. He's never been an administrator. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our papers two days ago telling us who we have to take. We don't have to take anybody that Mel Kuyper says we have to take. Mel Kuyper has no more credentials to do what he's doing than my neighbor, and my neighbor's a postman, and he doesn't even have season tickets to the NFL. At that instant, it just became clear that this was reality television of the highest order. Oh, I think I probably got my Irish up. Bill Tobin was a hot-headed guy. I love Bill. He said what the entire league thought. Who in the hell is Mel Kuyper? <laughs> I know I and probably 27 other general managers congratulated him. Uh, it, it was classic. Who in the hell is Mel Kuyper? Mel Kuyper doesn't know any more than my postman. The thing is, nobody's ever really tracked down Tobin's mailman to, to find out exactly how much he does. I'd like to know that sometime. It could be that Tobin's mailman knows a lot about football. Might be more of a compliment than any of us realized. Mel Kuyper. <laughs> oh, I love it. And oh, guys, my gosh. You guys seen that was actually Peter King there. They got his take on it, right? Um, he's the one that was in the video just the other day with Andy Reid breaking down the corn dog play, right? The return of the corn dog. So, uh, and 30 years it, later, we're still wondering who the hell Mel Kuyper is. <laughs> yeah. And 30 years later, we're wondering who the hell was Bill Tobin's mailman. That's what I want to know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I love how he said, hey, he may, he may know more than all of us. Who knows, right? You know, uh, I, I do think it's kind of cool that um, apparently Mel Kuyper and uh, Jimmy Johnson have the same barber. Can, yes, uh, <laughs> that's correct. The no, hair is no, there. That? They call it the helmet hair. It looks like you're putting on a helmet, right? <laughs> like, I don't I don't know how people do it, man. I do not know how people do it, but oh, yeah, man. good stuff. Carly, you got anything to add? You just chime in, okay? Don't feel like you have to, but at any point, you just cut us off and, and make your comments, all right? All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I like what Carly said. She said that was narrated like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, LOL. I love uh, it. Boy, Unsolved Mysteries. I can hear the theme music. I can see. I can't think of his name, but I can Robert see the Stack. Robert Stack. Yeah. Tim, did you grow up watching Unsolved Mysteries? Oh, of bro? course I did. Uh, I'm telling you. Unsolved Mysteries and what was the other one? Um, Rescue 911. You remember Rescue 911? Oh, Rescue 911. We're showing our age right now, Clayton. Dude. I, hey, and that's Cops. Like, Cops was definitely a favorite of oh, me and my brother. Classic. What Classic. you gonna do? I'm just gonna, <laughs> this stuff was not staged either. Today, a lot of stuff staged on TV. This yep. was not staged. It was just, hey, this knucklehead's over here dancing naked in the street. Let's turn the camera on. Let's go arrest <laughs> him. Right? I love it, man. Absolutely love it. 
Not that he was dancing naked, just the, the old 90s TV. You know what I'm saying. What the hell Chris said, LOL, love it. Talking about the uh, the video, man. Uh, Greg Rice says, never put on a chalk. Um, he just roasted him right there on national television, man. Yeah, I, I completely agree. David Mitchell said that's probably top five all-time draft moments. And these are the things that happen, right? Like, that's it, it truly is a reality show. You're going to see someone drop in the draft, and that's going to become a story. You're going to hear things leading up to the draft where, you know, like, People will leak information on prospects, and I'm not a big fan of it. But you can kind of find out behind the scenes. You got people trying to drag them down, and that stuff gets. It's just like it's a roller coaster. It really is. You'll get someone all of a sudden the night of the draft. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick, a jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A video surfaces of someone with a gas mask on smoking the devil's lettuce. You know what I mean? Like, you never know what's going to hit. Uh, it's just it gets off the damn weed. <laughs> exactly, Stephen A. We appreciate you dropping by, man. Um, let's see here. Chris in the chat says every draft year with Copper's take, I'm begging for another moment like that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That I, I kind of felt bad for uh I can't remember his name now, the uh, the reporter there that was with him. Do you remember who that was? He works for ESPN. Um Mort, Chris Mortensen. Mortensen, yeah. He was going, ah, yeah, boy, you guys surprised us, huh? No, we're not surprised. He went, oh, he's mad. <laughs> kind of leaned back, set up straight. I love it, dude. Oh, man. Absolutely love it. RDC, RDC2 in the chat just says, running running butt naked through the trailer park. You just made Mandy mad, promise you. Yeah, it's Chris Mortensen. Appreciate you, Chris. So good stuff there, man. Thought we would show that since we're kind of entering draft season. Um, you got Sometimes you got to pull some of those old clips. Uh, this is kind of cool, man. Uh, the 33rd team has added, I think, over 30 more prospects, Tim, to their draft board. So I thought, why don't we dive into that a little bit and kind of look at how their draft board has changed? Um, really, the grades haven't changed at all. They're grading these players as if they are a NFL front office. 
And what I like about the 33rd team is they have former execs, former coaches, former players that are in-house advising their staff on, hey, here's how we would grade him out. Here's how we would look at this prospect, right? And then you'll have the players kind of give their take on certain things too. I just love their whole setup. But we're going to go full screen here for a second. I'm going to zoom in too so you guys can see this. I want to to show you what's really cool about this tool that they've put together. I'm going to zoom in one more time. First of all, this is all the positions. The only thing I don't like about it is it doesn't scale completely out over there on the right. So we're going to have to take it over just a touch. So the grades will spill into the quarterbacks just a little bit, but it ain't going to hurt too much so we can see the safety's names, okay? So this is kind of how their board sits right now, Tim. Um, let me know if you can see this okay. Is it is it is it zoomed in enough? Oh, yeah. All right, good deal. If I can see it. Everyone else should be able to. <laughs> exactly. Let's, Mine is a bad over here. <laughs> I'm getting there, man. Well, phew, golly, that's something. That, Lasik's on its way. I just about got <laughs> it. Um, when you're out in the sun as much as I am, man, you uh, – those, those eyes take a beat. And luckily, I got brown eyes. As my dad said, crap-eating brown eyes. The only thing I took after my mama were these. He used another word, but he'd say those crap-eating brown eyes. <laughs> uh, but uh, so let's look at the top tiers. All right, the very top tier, you got four players according to the 33rd team. Again, their board is not finished. There's still prospects to grade out. I believe they're starting at the top and working down, but I could be wrong there. Um, so when you look at the top side of this draft in that top tier, you got quarterback Caleb Williams as the top prospect. You got wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you got tackle Joe Alt in that same tier. They've got Malik Neighbors, wide receiver out of LSU in that top tier as well. That's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. Malik Neighbors is probably going to go really, really early in this draft. Okay. So the next tier down, we go to 6.9. Okay. So we go from seven plus to 6.9. In this tier, you've only got what appears to be two players. You've got wide receiver Adunzi um, out of Washington, and you've got offensive tackle Latham out of Alabama. Okay, so you're seeing with the top two tiers, it's quarterback, wide receiver, and tackle. No other positions currently. You go to the next tier, 6.8, you've got quarterback Drake May, tight end Brock Bowers, offensive tackle Fashanu, uh, offensive tackle Fuaga, You've got edge defender um, Turner out of Alabama, and you've got Leitu out of UCLA at the edge position as well. Then you move over to cornerbacks. You get your first cornerbacks on the horizontal board in Kool-Aid McKinstry at number one, and they got Nate Wiggins number two. You climb down one more tier, and this is as far as we'll go, and then I want to show you how you can sort this thing. It's really cool. Um, You've got quarterback Jaden Daniels out of LSU. This is now tier 6.7, okay? Um, you got Jaden Daniels. Out of LSU, you got wide receiver Coleman uh, out of uh, Florida State. You got LSU's wide receiver Thomas Jr. You got tight end Sanders out of Texas. You got tackle Gotten out of uh, out of Oklahoma. You've got Fontana, Fontana uh, guard slash center, so interior offensive line out of Washington. Then they got Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon. So they, someone mentioned in the chat earlier today, I told you guys I had Jackson Powers Johnson as the best offensive lineman they've got Fontana okay and now let's look at our offensive lineman real quick this is the first time we really want to compare this we don't even have Fontana in that first tier like that that top four right we have Powers Johnson one Christian Haynes two Cooper BB three and Buaga four so Fontana is kind of one of those surprises there now my my board is compiled of a bunch of different opinions a bunch of different information that I trust I, I I'll, I'll promise you who isn't included in my draft board creation. That's Mel Copper Jr. <laughs> Dog him. That's just my personal opinion. I don't take his information serious. I just don't. Um, defensive tackle, you got Newton 
out of, I believe that's Illinois. Yeah, Jerzan Newton. You got By, uh, Byron Murphy out of Texas and Tavondre Sweat out of Texas. So there you see the top defensive tackles, interior defensive linemen, according to their board. Then you've got Robinson at edge out of Penn State. That's Chop Robinson. And then you got Verse out of Florida State at edge. Here's where Quinion Mitchell drops in. He comes in at the 6.7 grade as well. Um, so they've got him third best corner in the draft. I've got him as the, the, the first best, you know, the best corner in the draft. So the only thing that would change about my cornerback rankings compared to theirs is Mitchell would leapfrog McKinstry, okay? And then you would add Cooper DeGene under McKinstry but over top of Wiggins, okay? That's how mine was set up. They got Tavarius Arnold down there in the five spot. I've got him in the five spot too. Maybe a little closer. I wouldn't really consider him a tier lower. But again, I would lean towards the 33rd team's opinion over my own because these are former executives who have evaluated rosters and made picks themselves uh, or evaluated prospects and made picks themselves in the past. And also former coaches who were in those draft rooms who are also given input in watching the tape. Most of the time, the front office will go to a coach and go, hey, here's our top five at this position. Which one do you like the most? And they'll get his input and take it back to the draft room and go, okay, if it matches their input, great. Doesn't mean they may, doesn't mean they'll take that player, depending on the organization, of course. Like it's been really, really obvious and, and widely spoken, openly spoken, that Kyle Shanahan kind of has top say with the 49ers. John Lynch is the GM, don't get me wrong, but it sounds like Shanahan will flex from time to time and let John Lynch know, hey, I want that player instead of that player. Right. Um, and then of course, safety. This is why we went to this tier. The two top safeties, obviously, they've got Newbin as one and Kenshin's as two, okay, and they're in the 6.7 range. Look how it drops off at safety, Tim. That's Ooh. the point I want to point out. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to get one of these top safeties, just like any market, whether it's business, you know, uh, the housing market, whatever you're comparing, right, when there is low supply and high demand, that increases the price, the value of said product, right? So when you look at the safeties, the fact that there's only two at the top and there's multiple teams that are going to need safeties, that's going to drive the value up. In this case means someone would be willing to spend a higher pick on those specific players because it's so thin at the top. As we're corner, you know, the fact that you carry five corners on your roster, probably going to balance this out to where it's not going to affect the actual value of the cornerback position in the draft. They'll probably just take them as they want them, as they need them. Um, but the fact that you've got kind of these top-heavy positions, like wide receivers one, outside of Harrison and Neighbors, I can see people passing on a Dunsey, Coleman, and Thomas Jr. to kind of go, okay, listen, you know, we, there's three other targets there. We might be able to trade up and get one of those later. Let's just wait a second. Now, it does drop off significantly later in the draft. Not that we're targeting a wide receiver at all by no stretch of the imagination, but it's just important to understand what other teams are going to be targeting. There was something that came out yesterday People were saying that they have J.J. McCarthy, who's down here in the 6.4 spot, they have him as the second-best quarterback in the draft. Like, if that's true and that's not just a smokescreen, the rumor could have came out of J.J. McCarthy's camp to drive the value up. This is lying season right now. People will lie through their teeth to try. Agents will lie through their teeth to get their prospects higher on people's boards. Teams will lie to media members and tell them we're all over this guy to make other teams think he's going higher. This is lying season. This is espionage at the highest level in the NFL this time of year. Um, but just want to point that out. J.J. McCarthy does jump up here somewhere around Caleb Williams, Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels. That's what we want. We want as many quarterbacks to come off the board as possible. 
for the Packers draft at number 25. Same thing with wide receivers. I want all I want all three of these quarterbacks, including J.J. McCarthy and, and Penix Jr., along with wide receivers Harrison Jr., Neighbors, Adunzi, Coleman, Thomas Jr., heck, maybe even one of these guys in the 6.4 tier. Get them all out of the way before we pick at 25 because that's going to ensure we get a position in need. But uh, let's just go around the horn here. Anything you guys got? Tim, Carly, anything you want to add to this before I kind of show you guys the cool aspect of this tool? Yeah, we're taking a safety with pick 25. What's the got to, man? Let's go. <laughs> Sign me up, man. Unless, of course, unless, of course, one of these top-tier guys somehow fall, a Joe Alt, a Latham. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a situation where one of those – here's another one. What if Bowers is on the on the board at 25? Like, some people are saying this is a generational top tight end, way better than the tight ends last year. I don't I don't know if I'm sold out to that, but that's something else that could happen, right? all depends on what Goody's board looks like and how these fly off the board. Carly, what do you got? No, not a whole lot, except that, like, I actually had a dream that, like, one of our top guys got injured, like, top, like, interests, which was just really dumb that I had a dream about the draft. So it kind of shows you how much, too much time I'm spending learning about this stuff right now. I was going to say, it's not dumb. It's an awesome thing. (laughs) But yes, it is. It is a little bit pathetic because I have those same (laughs) things, too. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, Mandy's having having uh, dreams about world peace and doing things that actually matter. I'm over here going, man. If Nubin, what if Nubin, what if he measures measures in a little bit short and drops to the third round? How cool would that be? You know, that's the type of dreams I have. So there you go. Um, check this out. We can sort this by our needs. So that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to show you what I mean by this. This is all the positions on the board right now. Really cool tool. You guys know the top needs I have before free agency and before re-signing our own players. We said four safeties, two of which were starters, four corners, two of which were starters, three offensive line, one of which is a starter, two linebackers, one should be a starter, defensive line, one starter, because I feel like our defensive line on the interior has underperformed, especially in the run game, tight end, a backup, or I'm sorry, edge backup, tight end backup, halfback backup. Okay, so let's go down the line and sort this by need, okay, by specific need for the Packers. So we're going to go safety first, we'll go corner second, We'll go tackle and then interior offensive line because we know tackles carry more uh, more value, right? Um, and that's the thing. People that are saying we don't need to tackle, we don't need to tackle. If Bach doesn't return and you can go out and get one of these guys in a 6.8 to 6.7 range and he'll be significantly better than Rasheed Walker, or here's another idea. What if Rasheed Walker stays at left tackle? You draft one of these tackles, plug them in at right tackle, and now you kick Tom in to right guard. Look how much better that offensive line looks. Or play Tom at center right? And maybe grab a guard too. These are the things that could happen. That's the reason I'm, I'm going to include offensive tackle here too, because it carries so much value. Um, linebacker would be next. Then it would be defensive line or defensive tackle, I should say. Then it would be edge, tight end, and then halfback. So now what you got is a customized draft board with all the noise removed. And here's what's cool. You still got the horizontal aspect with the most value being at the top. You can see the cluster of positions across the board, right? Now you can look at it from a need standpoint, you go from left to right. So it's kind of like these charts we've been showing with next-gen stats and stuff where it'll take X versus Y or Y versus Z, and then you can kind of draw it out and go, okay, here's the guy who played best, you know what I'm saying, like the most consistent, if you will. Now you can look at it and go, okay, our top need is safety. There's a good chance if this is how the Packers draft board looks, right, and let's say their draft board doesn't change significantly at the top, and it may, it, it very well may, right? If you do that, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine players. So 
it, it, nine would come off the board before Newbin would if if the whole league agreed with this draft board. But keep in mind, you've got quarterbacks, you've got wide receivers that was top heavy, right? So when you draft, if Newbin is on your board and this is how your board sits, you see how it would make the most sense to draft him. That's why if you try to wait till the second round, you're kind of screwed. But again, from needs left to right, where is the depth at here, guys? Where is there not depth and where is there depth, Tim? You see there's no depth at the top of the draft at safety, right? So people are going to overpay for safety. Cornerback, there's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah, and tackle. Tackle too. So next interior offensive line, a little bit thinner, right? But we know they carry less value. It's very rare that one will get drafted in the first round or, or a, 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 you know, a select number of those people will get drafted at that position in the, in the first round. Uh, it seems like teams like to wait till the second round. It's where we got Elton Jenkins, right? It's where we got Josh Myers. Whether you think Josh Myers is a great center or not. Um, linebackers, another one really, really, really thin at the top of linebacker, right, Tim? See that yep. Yep. defensive tackle kind of middle of the road. You don't have any in the top three tiers edge. You don't have any in the top two tiers, but man, it's thick right there in the middle. Holy cow, dude, right in the middle. you got, it is loaded with talent for sure. Um, tied in kind of thin at the top, right? Really all the way across the board. Last year was one of those historical tight end drafts. So people will probably overpay a little bit for tight ends this year because it's so slim pickings. And then running back, look at that one, two, three, four, five. You don't get your top running back until the sixth tier, according to the 3013. So, wow. Just a really, a really cool way, always looking at the horizontal board, is it always gives you a different perspective on how to attack that current draft. If this is how Goody's board looks, it could be totally different, right? And I always respect the fact that his board seems to look a little different than most people. But this is former execs, former coaches, former players that are helping compile this information, give their input on, hey, here's what our draft board would look like. So um, let's go around the horn there as we get ready to wrap up. I just thought that would be a cool little exercise to show. Oh, I did want to – let me make one more – comment here and then i'll turn it over to you guys before we wrap up remember we graded linebackers tim we came up jeremiah trotter jr number one junior colson number two and edgerin cooper number three okay that was our inside linebacker our stack backers if you will that's how we had them graded out on our board look at the linebacker position here look where jeremiah trotter jr is bro he's in the 5.9 range why is that what's what's the knock what's the negative on jeremiah trotter jr to size right Yep. These these coaches and executives, man, they take that RAS, and RAS does include size too, guys. It's not just combine numbers, right? It it's basically says it's your athletic score, it's your athletic profile, your relative athletic score. They compare it to everyone over the last, I think, since the 80s, and they put people in percentiles and go, okay, here's the guy that has the best size, the best speed, the best everything, everything averaged out into a formula done by Math Bomb there on Twitter. So it's just a uh, it's interesting to me that Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is so low here by these former execs. So when you look at our top three, if we were to go to them for permission, let's say this is our third-round pick, one of our third-round picks, and we're definitely taking a backer here. We've got to choose a linebacker. If we go to them and we say, all right, who do you like more, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Junior Colson, or Edgerin Cooper? There's Edgerin Cooper in the 5.9 range. There's Jeremiah Trotter Jr., four players lower than Cooper. In the same 5.9 range, you got to go all the way up here. Colson is their top graded linebacker of the prospects they've graded so far. So if they were our draft advisor in that situation, we would be drafting Colson over Jeremiah Trotter Jr. So just wanted to point that out. We don't want this pod to turn into let's just talk about our opinion and what we think we should do. 
We want to run it through the filter of former execs, former coaches. We want to get people like Mike Wall's opinion. We want to get people like uh, Daryl Thompson's opinion that played for the Packers in the 90s, um, all these different. We, we want to talk to people who have been in and around the game. Ego has no amigo. We got to remove our ego if we want the best information, especially coming into draft season. So uh, let's go around the horn. Tim, what do you want to add to that? Anything you want me to scroll through and show you there, man? No, I'm just want to echo that same sentiment. And um, just like Randy said here in the chat, don't believe the hype. Trust your scouts. There you go. And it's Bingo. so true, you know, because the hype is, you know, carefully crafted and calculated. And, you know, like you said, a lot of these coaches advocate for their their guys and, you know, a lot of rumors get started. It's, you know, it's almost like uh, you know, a little like Hollywood around this time of year. Um, and uh, you got to just. Mirrors. Yeah, smoke and mirrors. So you you got to cut through that. And Randy's absolutely spot on. You know, don't believe the hype. Trust trust in your scouts. Um, that's why they're on your staff. That's why you're flying them all over the country, having them look at the look at these guys. And um, you know, it, you'd be foolish to uh, you know put in all of that work and then just uh, you know throw that all out the window and you know buy into some some hype. You know, because we talk about guys falling in the draft. There's guys that rise in the draft too and uh end up getting picked early and they end up being busts we've seen it you know hundreds of times so um yeah i'm with randy on this one man trust trust the scouts yeah and if you don't trust your scouts you need new scouts (laughs) yeah bingo that's 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 key right there carla you got anything before we wrap up here yeah i just want to um talk about what Elder Grimm said here about am I the only one who doesn't think we need to draft a tight end at all? I feel like we could find a fourth guy in undrafted free agents. I, I agree with that. I think that that could be really good unless there's a really great one that is, comes at a good value that we could use to trade with some other, you know, with some other team for something like that. But, yeah. but I agree. I think we've done pretty awesome as far as our tight end so far. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's a very, very good point. And like Ben Sims, great addition, graded out well. Played yep. good, blocked pretty decent. I thought he played really well for, uh, you know, given given that he, you know, no other team really wanted him on the active roster at the time. I'll tell you another position, too, that that that's very comparable to tight end this year. Look at the running back position. i got some people that are saying take take a running back in the second and third round, and I'm going, why? Who like, and why and how? Yeah, exactly. I mean, look look how far. And, you know, I know people were crazy about Braylon Allen of Wisconsin. It's like way down there, and and running back doesn't carry that much value. So to answer the question with tight end, if Brock Bowers is there at number 25, would I be upset if they drafted him? Absolutely not. I think that he is better than Musgrave and better than Kraft, me personally, and just the tape I've watched and the opinions I've seen. uh, He's one of those guys that's going to be, you know, obviously the top tight end in this draft. He probably would have been one of, if not the top tight ends last year, too. We'll see how he measures at the combine. That'll shift this board around a little bit, too. Sanders, I, I, I would rather not take him. Obviously, at 25, I'd say no no, no way, no how. Um, Wiley, you see, it gets thin quick. you got to get way down here. Like, would I be interested in Wilson or Bell? Probably not if the 33rd team's draft board was my draft board. So I completely agree with, uh, with, uh, with what Eldergrim said in the chat. You don't have to go crazy there, right? You don't have to reach. You could probably get one in as an undrafted free agent. Unless, of course, unless somehow, some way Brock Bowers falls to you even in the second round, I'd be run that card up there. I don't see how that could happen. But then that that second uh tied in as well. Who was it? What was his name again? Um Sanders. What if he dropped into the third or the fourth round? I'd be okay with that, right? But yeah. yeah. Especially it, when you consider like what you said, we're looking, we're looking for uh 
you know, third or fourth on the depth chart tight end. Exactly. We, we're not looking for, you know, Gronk right now. We, we, <laughs> and so I would, I would hate to neglect our O-line or our defense. Bingo. And, and, you know, piss away a pick early on a, on a generational talent or not right. um, at tight end. So um, I, I'm with you guys on that. I mean, not saying we don't take one. I just don't think we take one that soon. Right, exactly. Um, it, it's all going to come down to what do their what does their board look like, and how far does one of these top top tier talents fall to them at the tight end position? But I would be totally cool with what Eldergrim's saying here. Hey, let's just and here's what's cool: when you go get an undrafted free agent, you got you got like a ninety man roster you can fill up for camp. You can yep. take three or four swings at undrafted free agents, and then narrow it down as camp starts, and then have a camp battle for that number four tight end spot, right? Um, that's something else that could kind of come into place. Man, that's good conversation. Appreciate y'all being involved in the chat. Thank you for identifying that, Carly. Great pick there for sure. Um, we're going to get out of here. We're going to talk a little Rashawn Gary earlier, but we ran out of time. So we'll be back tonight for PTA Live at 7 Central, 8 Eastern. And we'll uh, we'll get into all kinds of other stuff. Like I said, I'm saving all these screenshots. So we'll have all this for the database. We If we have time, we might do another mock draft tonight just to kind of comb through and revisit things. We've got our – we, we need to relook at uh, at free agency again too, Tim, because we now have our needs identified. If the draft happened before the re-sign slash free agency period, we've got that information compiled now to go, okay, we would actually need a corner of safety or this or that and go down the line and kind of fill that roster out. We're not just doing it in order in which it comes. We're doing different exercises and doing it in different orders. That way we can get all the information compiled. Go, okay, globally, here's what, here's the way we should attack each of these position groups in the offseason. So there you go. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. We will see you tonight. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com